Mr. Bill Davies, Mr. Market President of uh, Truist in the Northwest Georgia region. Tell us what that's all about. What does that mean? What is Northwest Georgia defined as? Yeah, so for me, that's uh, it's Dalton, Calhoun, Cartersville, LJ, Somerville, Rome, Soapstick, Crandall, Ramhurst, you name it. No, it's uh, we have branches in um, you know most of the Northwest Georgia markets, and um, my primary role is to oversee the commercial bank for Truist. Okay. Uh, I have some degree of indirect uh, involvement in our retail operation, but my my job is primarily to make commercial loans, which primarily around here uh, is supporting manufacturing businesses. Um, we do a lot of commercial buildings. I've always, though, really enjoyed the real estate side of the business. And mm -hmm. uh, I also do some income producing properties, multifamily, self-storage, that sort of thing. But um, uh, kind of a generalist, you would say, commercial generalist uh, banker. And I've uh, been with uh, Truist BBNT formally, and now Truist, this will be my 21st year. And, Have you uh, officially changed the sign? I, I feel like that signage has been yes. coming and you going. You haven't been by lately. Then, well, it's, so. it's been coming and going. There's there's this fake BBNT sign on front of the Truist sign for like it's a month the, or two. The, the sheet is off. We've ripped we are it off. full huh? purple. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, the, in February, the SunTrust branches came in, and that was our sort of final major merger event. And, gotcha. and SunTrust converted, and we pulled all the bags off the ATMs. Yeah. And uh, we've been, the BBNT side has been truest since October. Mm -hmm. So we're right in the throes of merger mania uh, <laughs> right now. So wow, nice. So well. how did you phrase that? You said you oversee the, the loans? You're not doing the loans? Yeah, no, I do the loans. Yeah, oh, okay. I've got uh, me and my uh, number two Seth, guy named Seth White. We, uh, we manage about 200 commercial uh, and business relationships okay. and all in all, in Northwest Georgia, we're the largest bank by deposit market share at about $1.6 billion. So we look over a good chunk of that um, kind of on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. You so, actually did the financing for this building we're standing in? I did, and it yeah. turned out fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Exciting yeah, stuff. No doubt. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, new Market Street connection that's going to happen, I hope. What's the, what's the timeline on that? I've been hearing about that. For a minute now. It's like every other contractor you talk to. We're two weeks out, and they'll be two weeks <laughs> out until they're done. Until it's done. It's yeah. like the movie The Money Pit. Y'all remember that one? It's two yes. weeks. Yeah, two weeks, that'll be done. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll now, there's some work to be. I mean, you know, something that, that that is that, you know, we talk about big, bold ideas. I mean, that's a big, bold idea. And, I, you know, kudos to the, you know, the mayor and the council for taking that project on. And But these things, as you guys know, you develop property. It takes a long time to get all the pieces in place. So it, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing doesn't take two, three, four, five years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most of the time when we're developing property, you see nothing happen. It gets talked about. Nothing happens for what appears to be six or eight months when it's all this kind of behind-the-scenes stuff and they're doing a soil test and there's a hole in the ground this big that nobody sees and nobody knows anything's happening, but we're testing the soil and doing all that kind of stuff. So nothing happens for six, eight months. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you get this big equipment in and everybody's like, oh, the project's getting started and they, they bulldoze a bunch of dirt and, you know, it stops for like another six or eight months. And then all of a sudden you get all the framing done and everybody gets real excited. They're like, oh, okay, <laughs> now we're, now we're really getting somewhere. They're framing up some structures and, and then the finished project, the finished part of the project takes forever. And so it's like, gosh, they're never going to open that road. And then, you know, it, it's, it's constant. Feels like it's foot on the gas, foot on the brake, yeah. foot on the gas, foot on the brake. So, well, and it's probably the worst it's ever been right now because of labor shortages, supply chain. I mean, just the, mm -hmm. you know, just the sewer stuff that they'll need to do the road is backed up eight months mm -hmm. and all. So, it, it, you know, these things take a long time. That's why we talk about growing housing or development in our community. If we're not planning now, mm -hmm. the stuff we plan today creates a house or a development five years from now. That's right. Know, so That's a good segue. You you wear another hat besides the market president for Truist. What other hats do you wear, Bill? Yeah. So <laughs> I, um, you know, I think uh, it's important for bankers, especially to be involved in the community, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we've got we are really just a function of how well this community is doing. So right. we have to be at the forefront of making sure that the community is vibrant, that we're growing. And so I've done a lot of things. Um, most recently, I was the chamber uh, board chair 
I've been involved with uh, Believe Greater Dalton and, and the housing effort specifically out of Believe Greater Dalton that I know you were have been a big part of. Out of that, the Believe Greater Dalton uh, housing effort said we need to do a housing study. Right. So 2018, there was a housing study done. Not shockingly, it told us that we're way short on what we need. At the time in 18, it said we needed uh, 150 single family units Mm -hmm. new Mm -hmm. and 100 multifamily units per year. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't think we've probably put a big dent in that in in the last four years, although there's been progress uh, for sure. The housing study also said that we needed to create a nonprofit development corporation. And um, the best example of that I could give um, everybody would be the River City Corporation in Chattanooga. A lot of people think, you know, wow, Chattanooga's great and it's always been great and downtown's cool and all that. You know, no, right? When I was a kid, I mean, it's a polluted, crime-ridden steel city, right? That's right. And so the Lupton family in Chattanooga put a a good chunk of money and created this nonprofit up there, and they started developing multifamily properties. Uh, initially, I think was where they started, and you know, 25 years later, look at where Chattanooga is. So mm-hmm. we, the idea was to do something similar, but be instead of downtown oriented, to be housing oriented throughout Whitfield County. And so mm-hmm. that's where we we created the uh, the Flooring Capital Development Corporation, or FCDC, as we call it. And, um, we're, um, it's, you know, it's been, it's still early infant stage. Uh, we don't even have a checking account at this point. So we, uh, we, uh, we've got some more, we got some work to do, but, um, we originally, when we started the, the concept, we thought, well, we're going to need to help support, um, multifamily development, right? Mm-hmm. Because we really need a, a parking place for people. We know people want to live here. Mm-hmm. We have jobs, we have good health care. We have um, great internet. We have great utility. We have a safe community. And so we knew people wanted to be here. And as we sort of peel back the onion out of Believe Greater Dalton, it's to me, education and housing are 1A and 1B. Mm-hmm. And I'm even more and more convinced that housing has become one mm-hmm. and education maybe two. So it's just it's just critical for the healthy growth of our community. And that's not just at the higher income levels, I know we were real focused on sort of that medium range housing, but on uh, the higher end uh, type housing for executives and professionals and all, we've got a workforce housing problem that is really going to be a big Great. issue. So, um, you know, so we started down the multifamily path. We thought, well, what we can do as a nonprofit is somebody can either A, write us a check. Mm-hmm. And then we can go out and partner with developers and make favorable equity investments to mm-hmm. make a project. So right now, based on our per square foot per ha- in, in a single family and our per square foot rental rates, it, as you well know, the numbers just don't work, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we haven't had development. So you have to have something to get us from A to B. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started down the multifamily path and we thought, well, that's where we're going to need to focus. We really need multifamily. I mean, the, the, the last significant multifamily construction on the higher end of the scale, mm-hmm. I was in high school, <laughs> right? You know, I'm, was that I'm, legacy? I'll be 49 years old this year, right? <laughs> it was uh, the um, Park Canyon. Oh, yeah. Park, Park Canyon. Canyon. That's yeah, right. It was yeah. like 92. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been a lot of twos and threes and fives and ones and all that, but nothing of, you know, that would, uh, you know, uh, like Jason Mock, our new mm-hmm. chamber president, like where would he live if he needed to rent for a year or six months? So mm-hmm. um, the good news on multifamily front is there are some other tools that are being utilized to make deals happen. TADs uh, are being used. Um, you can do tax abatement on multifamily. And so we've got, you know, 200 units under construction and hopefully 400 more units coming. Mm -hmm. And so the FCDC is sort of, I see it evolving and shifting more to the single family side Mm -hmm. and probably more towards revitalization of existing housing, redevelopment of areas. Um, You know, so that's kind of where we are. It's still, uh, we're still trying to figure it out what the role is, but it's just a tool in the toolbox at this point for, um, you know, somebody could donate land to us. 
said, hey, I had a, a big tax year. I need to, you know, I'm tired of paying taxes on this property. It's kind of dead. I, I have a you know, heart for the community. They would donate it to the FCDC. We would, we would take it in. Um, we would presumably do a, an, an RFP type thing and, and mm -hmm. invite developers to come and say, we would set some parameters to say, okay, we want this, that, or the other here. And uh, we would put the land in, mm -hmm. right? We would do so in a way, um, we want to get our money back, mm -hmm. but we're not going to be looking for the 20% return. Right. And if you took that number out of the equation, then maybe a project that doesn't work becomes mathematically feasible. And that's, that's the theory, at least. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to testing that theory out. But, you know, in a perfect world, you do it a few times and the, the per square foot comps get, get in place. And all of a sudden, every developer in, within 100 miles wants to be in this market. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what happened at Chattanooga downtown. The Lupton family didn't build the aquarium. Like, had a piece of it, right? But mm -hmm. but they didn't build all those North Shore condos either. You know, like mm -hmm. once it, once it gets established, it it has some organic growth on its own. Yeah. So we just need a catalyst. We just need a fire starter to get it done. Yeah. So you mentioned TADS. Explain in its simplest form what is a tax allocation district. Okay, and I, I'm certainly not the most qualified uh, to, to describe a tab, but um, so basically you think about it, you take an area of a community, uh, maybe you call it a, a five or ten block area, and you draw a little box around it, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, you freeze the taxes at, the, at whatever the rate is today, mm -hmm. okay? So developer still pays that amount of tax, mm -hmm. same that the community is getting. Let's say on a regular house, it's $1,000. That's right. And in most cases, it's not going to be a house. It's going to be, a, you know, a, a piece of raw land or it's going to be old commercial buildings. And the intent is to provide that subsidy, subsidy to make a project that's not mathematically feasible feasible, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is so the developer comes in. First of all, they take all this risk, mm -hmm. okay? They're signing on the debt. They're bringing in equity monies to make a project work. They're going to create tax value, mm -hmm. right? Because it's say it's worth a million dollars today, and they make it worth ten. Mm -hmm. Okay, all the TAD does is it gives the developer that differential. A portion of that differential comes mm -hmm. back to the developer to effectively um, help subsidize and make a deal feasible. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, you know a lot of people it's a it's a difficult mechanism for a lot of people that aren't kind of in the business to understand and it's certainly difficult for the average you know citizen to put their head around and now it's you know and the way our community is set to do it, there's two ways to actually pay the developer mm -hmm. some communities and this is the most aggressive way to do it can actually borrow that increment mm -hmm. in advance and then give it to the developer on the front end mm -hmm. some communities actually do that Ours is set up uh, to be a pay-go. So mm -hmm. as those tax revenues come in over some period of time, 10 years, 15 years, the developer gets that cash flow back to mm -hmm. back to them. The community is, you know, A, gets something great, something different, something mm -hmm. better, presumably, and the community really doesn't have much risk. You know, the downside would be, you know, if you had a, you know, 500 homes came in and all of a sudden there were, you know, an extra 400 kids in the, uh, you know, uh, school systems. The school systems probably absorbed the, um, you know, the, the, the cost, so mm -hmm. to speak, without the benefit of those taxes. But long term, again, we're talking about long term, you know, think about when the TAD runs out because it'll run out over a certain period of time once that number is hit. Mm -hmm. And then all that money goes to the community. Mm hmm. You know, so 15, 20 years from now, you've got this great development. You've got something that wouldn't be there otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, or you can do like, you know, the county's doing. You can sit on your hands and you can get what you got. And you're going to mm -hmm. get, keep getting what you've always had. And so it, you have to really embrace the idea that we want better. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people in the community really are behind that and believe mm -hmm. in that. It's just a it's a difficult like I said, it's a difficult mechanism to understand. And it's certainly, you know, it lost in a, you know, we, we kind of rushed the ballot vote mm -hmm. on TAD. Um, and it's, I'm not even sure if we had not rushed it. I mean, it's just such a difficult, and it's got the word tax in it. Mm -hmm. 
which is sort of the death sentence for our uh, conservative area around here. So, yeah, can, you know. so do, you, that, it, do you think that that is the pushback, like just the maybe the lack of understanding? I think so. Yeah, I think it's most of it. Oh, I think it has to be. The, the way I've explained it to people is that one house, and let's say that house sits on three acres, and that one house is bringing in $1,000 in tax revenue. So the developer can come in, bulldoze the house, build three houses – because he's now got to get the sewer to all three houses. He's got to get road frontage to all three houses. So he bulldozes the one house, builds three houses, and now there's $3,000 in tax revenue that the county would get instead of the 1000 Right. Well, they're still guaranteed the 1000 but the $2,000 in tax revenue goes back to the developer for building the sewer and building the road that goes in to build all three houses. Offsetting the risk. Right? Yeah, and as soon as that developer gets paid back, there is no more money to get. So... The tax allocation district might be for 20 years, that, that length of term. But if they are paid back in 17, they, you get the three years back to the county for free. So they can't make money on that part of the process. It's literally just a reimbursement of whatever they spent to build the road and build the infrastructure. So it's not like we're paying the developer extra. We're literally reimbursing them for taking the risk of building the road which counties used to build the roads themselves and take all the risk. Mm -hmm. The Gap Road that we're off of right here was built with county dollars. <laughs> so that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss is that counties aren't building those roads now. Mm -hmm. So in order to get the road built, somebody's got to take a risk. Right. And so this is a way for the county to fund it with dollars that were created by the developer anyway. So I think there's I think if people could just shrink it to that size and say, okay, that makes sense. Thousand dollars, three thousand. A lot of people start to lose their focus when you talk about a million versus two million or five million versus ten million. So when I shrink it down to that level and I draw the picture, everybody I've talked to when I've met with them go, Oh, oh well that makes sense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that two thousand too, it, it doesn't have to all go back to the developer. The, the yeah, community yeah. can say, well, We want five hundred of that two thousand. So they mm -hmm. still get a net increase in, in tax value. In the long run, it's a no brainer, but when you do it that way with the schools, it certainly makes it make sense. If we said, hey, of that $2,000, 500 is going to go back to the community so that we can grow the school at the same time that you're growing the, the school need. Yeah, it, it can be structured in a way that makes a lot of sense. And our county commissioners did a good job in the fact that they want it to be pay-as-you-go instead of let's borrow the money and hope this thing works out. Mm -hmm. If it's pay-as-you-go, the risk for the county is virtually zero. I mean, they don't have... They may end up with a road. If the developer goes under, they end up with a road that then they can use. Right. Right. And it costs them nothing because the developer went out of business. So the developer's taking a ton of risk and the county has virtually zero cost. Well, in the, in the you know, the frustrating part, I think, to, to some extent is the school boards and our leadership there has been real supportive mm -hmm. because they see a big picture. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've heard numbers. I, I, you know, I don't know for sure, but, you know, a lot of schools are shrinking now. Mm -hmm. And while property tax is part of their revenue quotient, headcount's another one. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a high school, say, Coala Creek, that's 55% occupied, I don't know what the number is, but it's not full, you, you really don't, the incremental impact of bringing some kids, more kids in there is really not that great, if, if any. Mm -hmm. So the school systems, I think, are, are thinking about it in a long-term way and and you hear, uh, you know, well, how do you pick winners and losers and, you know, special interests and all, you know, it's, it's, I, I do think you have to have a set of standards of what you want, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, what people don't realize is the massive amount of risk that these developers take to do these deals. Mm -hmm. Sure. When they can go to Chattanooga and it's $280 a foot for a house and mm -hmm. we're at 167 Mm -hmm. And the costs are exactly the same. Why would they come to Dalton? Mm -hmm. Right. So we got to move that needle. Um, and so what we really ultimately everybody wants is just the natural organic risk taking to create what we need. And we're just not there. And mm -hmm. we can, you know, like I said, we can sit on our hands and get more dollar generals and <laughs> crappy houses, or we can actually just be bold and, and support those risk takers. You know, good example, uh, you know, Patterson, I think is the flashpoint on this thing. Right. Right. And the, and the residential side of that, you know, he's, you know, very crafty and has figured out how he doesn't need the tad to make that housing work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now he's still taking a ton of risk. Mm -hmm. I promise you. 
the retail portion, retail multifamily portion what is what's in question. So, um, and, and help me if I get off on these numbers, right? Okay. But, you know, the market rent is about $13 a foot on Cleveland Highway retail, okay. yeah. right? 15, yeah, 13, enough. 12, 10, I don't know. You, yeah, you're close, 13 to 15, really. Okay, so the new construction, right, to make it work, mm-hmm. he would have to get $28 a foot, mm. okay? $28 a foot, all right? Um, the TAD, if it's passed and they can actually get this thing done, only brings their number down to like $23 a foot, <laughs> right? So he's still taking enormous risks. Now, they want to call it, we're, we're just, you know, it's crony capitalism and special interests and all. No, you've got a developer here who's willing to really make a huge bet on our community. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, you just have to understand that risk metric and the math to really understand what's happening in these things. And, you know, like I said, most people don't, they don't, they don't do that. It's not their business. They, you know, they don't know how those those numbers kind of work. People have a tendency to think negatively of what they don't understand. Just no matter what it is, I think. Yeah. So I can tell you that with that commercial piece going in and all of those residential homes going in right behind it, if you're outside the tad, but all that's happening right beside you. You now have comps that allow you to also get that same dollar per square foot, right? Sure. If they get $23 a square foot across the street, somebody ought to build that exact same thing on the other side of the street outside the TAD and get the same value, right? Like, I mean, the, the comp gets set, and now you've got some real growth happening. We've got a listing on Cleveland Highway that if that TAD gets finished for that area, we're outside the TAD, but it makes our property at least $100,000 more valuable just because that's happening. And it has nothing to do with that. It's just that that developer took the risk, made it happen, vehicles per day all of a sudden go up. And that vehicle per day metric is what makes commercial property sell or not sell. The income numbers go up, right? The yeah. median income and all those yeah. things that drive retail and yeah. other things. And it helped it, you know, ultimately going to help the other retail on that corridor, like you said, the existing yeah. retail. Oh, yeah. Right now, they're now. not going to have as nice, so they're not going to be able to get the same, but they're yeah. going to be able to ease their rates up. Yeah, it will help. Well, the thing is, too, it goes from 16,000 vehicles today to 20,000 vehicles per day, and that's the metric. You know, those bigger retailers that pay the the high price for the dirt need 20,000 vehicles per day. Mm -hmm. They they say no to 16, and they say yes to 20. So as soon as those extra 400 homes get built, there goes the traffic count, and there goes the value of that other land that's outside the district. So we're not really picking winners and losers. I mean... Anybody right now can go down Cleveland Highway and buy a patch of dirt and wait for this thing to get done, wait for the vehicle count to go up, and then make money. So, I mean, it's not like we're being secretive about it. We're, we're screaming it from the rooftop. Hey, this is coming. <laughs> you know, like anybody can win. They just need to pay attention. Well, we don't have enough uh, local risk taker developers, right? I mean, True. And, and that's all we've really effectively seen for the most part is local um, developers. And so part of the trick is attracting those from outside the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, it's just pure, I keep, it's just a pure exercise in math and mm-hmm. risk taking, but the opportunity is there because as people move out of the bigger cities and mm-hmm. they get into the you know, safer, you know, cities or they are, um, getting overbuilt, mm-hmm. say in Ackworth or, mm-hmm. you know, East Cobb or whatever, those builders, you know, those track builders are mm-hmm. looking up the 75 corridor. So, but we just don't have anything to sell. We don't have mm-hmm. the lots. We don't have, um, we don't have the land. We don't have enough sewer. That's a whole nother yeah. big issue. My thought too about TADS is it could be used as an indirect way to finance sewer expansion. Mm-hmm. without the community or utilities having to do it, mm-hmm. right? Use some of the TAD proceeds to mm-hmm. run two miles of sewer, which, oh, by the way, costs at least a million dollars a mile. That's right. You know? And so, again, I, I just I hope that the commission, and there's several, certainly se- several on the, the board of commissioners who are, you know, who, who are supportive, who kind of get it long term, and, uh, you know, I just wish the others would get on board. Yeah. I just got a quote yesterday. Sorry. I just got a quote yesterday for uh, building a road, a county road, no sewer, no water, just the road, $385 a linear foot for the road and the curb and all the things you need to have to have a county road. So 
as long as this table is, cost you almost a thousand bucks. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's not a lot of road frontage for a thousand dollars. So, Jeez. keep that in mind. Well, and then you, you know, if you're doing single family or really any development, you've got the stormwater thing too. Right? Oh, yeah. So, they're going to yeah. lose X number of lots because they've got to have somewhere for the water to go. That's right. And you just start adding all this up. And what happens is, and, and this is really an affordable housing issue because what ends up happening is, so a lot needs to be what, 20, 25% of the overall price of a home. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you know, we've had really nice subdivisions developed because the cheapest lot they could get to was $150,000. Mm-hmm. So you end up with five to $700,000 homes. So that still mathematically works. Mm-hmm. It's, it gets harder the farther you go down the scale. If you That's want right. a $200,000, I mean, let's, let's say $150,000 house, you know, you got to have a a $30,000 lot. And that's either going to be tough. done in, uh, you have to have uh, uh, density, mm-hmm. quantity mm-hmm. to make the numbers work, or you're stuck like we are and you just, it just, it won't work. Nobody's going to take the risk. I would say even 20% is probably too high. I mean, the the new construction homes that we've sold that are in that $200,000 range, they paid 11000 for that lot. Yeah. They paid 10000 for that lot. I'll bet, I'll bet you something so, like half or more of of the homes that have been built in the last, you know, seven or eight years were done on post-recession, bank foreclosed, cheapo lots. That's right. Or county road already. Yes. Or, or yeah, we stuck a driveway on the road. (laughs) And I mean, and, and you know, I think people, when they move to this town, they want, you know, they want a sense of community. And in most areas that comes with a subdivision Mm -hmm. with a little amenities, maybe a pool and they, they, you know, they're buddies with their, little cul-de-sac and all. Um, we just don't have that. Not and under 400. <laughs> not, yeah, not, not under 400. And it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful things are moving in the right direction yeah. though, right? I mean, and, and the credit to, you know, Ellie High and, at Patterson, he mm-hmm. did the orchard before that and he moved the needle there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's moving the needle again. So he's single-handedly resetting the market. He really is. And, I, and our thanks to him is, no, we're not going to help you. <laughs> so, you we're going to help you a little bit, I think is actually what our thanks He got a little bit of help. The sewer, I, I think the utility, Dalton, Dalton Utilities, didn't they spend mm-hmm. 750000 or something for the utility? Yeah, they spent some money in the school board saying, hey, we, we, we're trying to be positive here. You know, the school board's kind of yeah. on board. So he's getting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's, so is a is a tad the best way to encourage these developers to, to come over this way? Is that the the prime strategy here? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think what probably developers want is a, they want a healthy environment where they know that homes are going to sell. Lots are going to sell. Homes are going to sell. Um, they probably want you to make it easy too, right? They want the property already ready. Mm-hmm. Maybe the property's under community control, mm-hmm. you know, um, they don't have to do permits and all, you know what I mean? Like the more the community can do in front of the development to say, Hey, and this is part of where we thought FCDC could do, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, we'll take donate our property. We'll go and do some of the nonsense stuff Mm -hmm. and we'll give, you know, put this here. We've got this ready Mm -hmm. for a hundred homes. Just come on, make your best offer. Yeah. Yeah. The zoning piece too is, you know, you might have a great piece of, 30 acre tract of land that could be perfect for high density development, but it's zoned agriculture right now. And so developers don't want to take that step. They, they just don't want to have to deal with that level. So yeah. FCDC could buy it or get it under their control and then do all that stuff on the front end so that it is ready. And the sewers already said, you know, Dalton Utilities already said, yeah, we're, we're good with this project. Lift stations already in place. Then the developer can just come in and be like, yeah, we can build houses. We can build roads and houses. Let's go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's uh, – I kind of want to transition over to the uh, the new chamber president. Yeah. He just started, right? He did, and, and yeah. You were, you were instrumental in, uh, in uh, getting in there. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Dennis so, Mock's cousin, right? <laughs> it is not <laughs> Dennis Mock's son. He's got a son <laughs> named Jason Mock. But, uh, <laughs> no, Jason did start Monday. Uh, we're super excited. I actually met with him this morning and um, so far so good. Um, you know, we, so as the outgoing chamber board chair, uh, Dr. Venable at the college mm-hmm. is the incoming. She asked me to chair the search committee and, uh, agreed to do that. Never done anything like that before. <laughs> uh, and it was, um, it was, it was great. Uh, we hired a, a, 
a search firm, the Chasing Group out of Cartersville, hmm. actually, who specializes in chamber um, roles. They brought us a great list of candidates, uh, you know, whittled it down and um, ultimately ended up with uh, with Jason. Uh, just super excited. Um, his wife's Katie. She's a nurse. Um, and so that's a plus one for sure, a good plus one. He's got a, um, you know, just a really engaging um, personality, uh, great energy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was with uh, – most, he's from Georgia. He's from Carrollton, cool. similar to Dalton. Mm-hmm. Um, and his wife's from uh, Cumming. Mm-hmm. And so mo- the last five years, he's been the chamber president in San Marcos, Texas. And that really kind of stood out to us because, and I didn't know anything about San Marcos, Texas. I do now. So it's 30 minutes south of Austin. Mm-hmm. That sound familiar? Yeah, there we go. About 45 <laughs> minutes or an hour north of San Antonio. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. And it has, you know, quite frankly, very similar demographics that we have mm-hmm. um, out, out there. And, in fact, um, that community is well ahead of where we are in terms of Hispanic leadership. They've mm-hmm. had, a, you know, Hispanic mayor. They have, mm-hmm. you know, they're ahead. of. He's kind of seen what it could be like uh, for us. And um, so we felt like that was a great fit. And, and like I said, I think he's just the right personality. He's done a lot of great things. He uh, – when he was in San Marcos, they went and visited cities all over the place and got kind of best practices and what is what are they doing in, you know, uh, Provo, Utah? <laughs> what are they doing in Greenville, South Carolina? Some of these successful communities, and so he's got a real, um, you know, real passion for community building and just going to be a great add to our our community. We got we got big expectations. Uh, He's going to live in Ringgold. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we thank God we found him a, a place to rent. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Peter Posiak, uh, his landlord. Uh, but, um, yeah, we were worried about that. Like, we're, you know, uh, I'm sure you are. I would have been too. <laughs> where is yeah. he going to live? Because, you, you know, like a lot of people, you come to a community new, you got to figure out where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And There's know, a lot to figure out. You need a parking spot. And that's mm-hmm. where I think the higher-end multifamily is so important because I sure. think – you know, our community, a lot of times people come here and I get, I get this anecdotally all the time. And they're like, man, I would love to have, you know, lived in Dalton, but I just couldn't find anything. But, you yeah. know, in Ringgold, you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. And you've lost them. Right. So if, at least if you have the multifamily piece, you've got a parking spot, mm-hmm. right? Here, hey, come in, get to know the community. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a little bit of time because, you know, kind of peel back that onion and all. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just fortunate we found him a, a spot. Yeah. But yeah, when you hire a chamber president, that's on the that's uh, on the requirements. You're you're gonna live in you're gonna live in Whitfield County. So when he, yeah, for sure. When he comes to town, does he give you a hey? Here's what I want to accomplish the first hundred days, like a president would, or or is he just gonna sit back for the first ninety days, look around, and say, okay, let me get a let me get a flavor for what's going on here? Uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> I, a I think you, you know you have to give him some time to assess what he thinks. You know, he gave us some initial thoughts, did a lot of homework, you know, really understood our community coming in. Um, unfortunately for Jason, uh, believe greater Dalton 2.0 is like right about, we're about to sort of roll that out yeah. to the, to the community. So he's not going to have a lot of time. He's going to have to get on board with that and, mm-hmm. and really help us. Uh, we, you know, raise money uh, for that effort and really, really kind of, ingrain in but you know it, it takes time i mean it, there's just so many different personalities in our community and so many people mm-hmm. he needs to get to know and um it's going to be selling a, north georgia podcast guest next week yeah that's what i was thinking <laughs> give him a few weeks yeah, yeah. come on you yeah, yeah. give him a few weeks but I, he, y'all should have him on because he's i mean he's just got a he's just one of those kind of guys you you know you meet him for five minutes and you're like oh man this, you know we're friends now you know yeah. and that's uh I think important for the, the face of the community is to be somebody that connects with people. Yeah, right. you're gonna give us a sneak peek of uh, believe Greater Dalton 2.0. Got any uh, talking I, points? I, yeah, I will. Allison, sorry, Allison Coker and all. I know it's about <laughs> Stealing to be rolled the out. Yeah, so um, <laughs> not materially different, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, the one thing that that I feel like I'm going to probably play a role in going forward in the FCDC. We're actually probably going to roll it in, 
not so much to housing, but to the revitalization effort. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the one thing that's going to be a little bit different and unique is that we realize we've got to revitalize parts of our community, right? We've got areas where homes are just in really horrible shape. We've got issues with code enforcement. We've got, you know, that dang chicken plant downtown that looks like, you know it's what I mean? It's for sale by Keller Williams right now, okay, as a matter of fact. Okay, yeah, get him off, get him, yeah. you know. We're trying. We sell it, man. We are know? trying, for sure. And, you know, so we've got some, we're going to take a little bit more of a surgical, strategic approach mm-hmm. in certain areas. We believe uh, Greater 1.0 and our community, I think the greatest success we probably had in the last five years is downtown, mm-hmm. Right. Huge so, success. Huge yeah. success. And and I think Believe Rare Dalton had a role in that, but mm-hmm. there's some organic growth in there. And, you know, hats off to David Aft and Gene Burr for Burr Park because that's mm-hmm. been such a big part of that. But, you know, we, what we heard in the um, – we did another survey, by the way, for this one, like 4,000 responses. Mm-hmm. We had more responses to our survey than the city of Indianapolis had to their survey. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so, which crazy. was really encouraging, uh, the, the level of engagement out there, yeah. that people want to they want to be involved. They want to, you know, give their input. Um, but from a revitalization standpoint, we're going to look at probably the areas closest to downtown and just mm-hmm. sort of expand that sphere, sphere mm-hmm. so to speak, of, you know, of, of housing, the, the chicken plant, the – North Dalton, the Crown Mill area, the, mm-hmm. you know, some of the areas that um, strategically are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Nathan Curtin took me on a, uh, a bike ride on the Beltline about a month ago. Oh, nice. Never, I've never been on it before. Oh. Like, I, I was like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Like, how, you know, so we, we're, we're starting the idea of how do we really make a Beltline? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the city's running a, Trail from Hague Mill to Crown Mill. Did you go under the bypass? Did you go through the tunnel? I haven't. No, oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. I haven't done it yet. And then, but how do you get it from there to downtown? Right. Right. And um, so we're thinking outside the box. We're thinking like a big city. You know, we're thinking like you know, what does this place need to look like ten years from now? Twenty. I'll say this: the the Believe Greater Dalton thing and the revitalization that happened downtown. It's almost as if there was a rally cry to, hey, we're going to fix downtown. And then other people jumped in and were like, oh, well, then let's let's be part of that and let's just jump in and help. And it might not have truly fallen under the umbrella of Believe Greater Don't. There were a bunch of people that kind of said, oh, well, if they're going to do this, then I'm willing to spend a nickel here and a dime there because I'm willing to take my part in it, even if they didn't officially donate. You know, there's a ton of developers, investors, um, real estate agents like myself that that did something downtown that said, you know what, because they're spending money here because they're trying to, I want to be in that. And so I think the same thing happens with North Dalton. If we if we really focus on that and 15, 20 developers or flippers like me get on board with the, the revitalization effort, totally changes the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and all you got to do is really kind of like, it's like kindling for Mm -hmm. a fire, right? Just just spark a little kindling and the logs will take off. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what we've got to do. And and it, but it's tough. I mean, there's, there's cultural barriers, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, how do you do so in a way that doesn't um, impact in a negative way, workforce housing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And we're all trying to kind of figure that out. I mean, there's no real easy answers. And these aren't like, these are 30-year – it took 30 years to create the problem. Yeah, can't fix it. Yeah, we're not going to fix it in a year or two. This is going to take 30 years to – you know, but we got to start somewhere. And we got to think big, mm-hmm. and we got to be bold, and we got to we got to take action. And, and there's a lot of people that are ready to do that. Yeah. And So last week we had Ethan Calhoun on. So we solved the workforce housing problem last week with Ethan. It's, you know, tiny homes and mobile homes, right? Yeah, now. We, apparently. <laughs> that's <laughs> – <laughs> it's, it's Carl di- needs to link up to last week's episode. Man, four years ago, it was, it was, I swear I was about to pull my hair out with tiny houses because <laughs> it was just, everybody was all about tiny houses. It's, it's, uh, it's density, right? I mean, you're going to have to have density. I mean, the revitalization effort. So we're going to have to look really long and hard about the, the lot lines. You mm-hmm. know, if you go up and down the belt line in Atlanta, I mean, you know, they got four, four foot lot lines. <laughs> so, right. you know, you can reach out and high five your yeah. neighbor, right? <laughs> But it's going to take developments like that and redevelopments like that to get the density mm-hmm. to support 
you know, not only the workforce, but, but the, you know, the, the 30 year old couple, you know, professional couple that's Mm -hmm. looking for something cool, wants to be close to downtown. Nobody wants to, I mean, most of my sense, most of the younger generation, they don't want to live in Cahada. Sorry, Cahada. It's beautiful out there. I I would Mm -hmm. love living in Cahada in a heartbeat, but the younger generation wants to be right near town. They want Mm -hmm. to hop on their bike flexibility exactly i hike mm-hmm. my bike you know go to hague mill and mm-hmm. you know run the hague mill and then ride back or you know have three mangoes at dbc and ride a bike back <laughs> home right. i mean you know yeah. it's this is the way of the sort of housing world and so mm-hmm. we've got some of the pieces we just have to figure out how to connect it and we've got to bridge the cultural gap like i said i mean you know um, you know, North Dalton, you think, um, we talk about the Hispanic community. I mean, it's, it's Mexican and Guatemalan. Mm-hmm. And it's, those are two very distinctly different communities Sure, yeah, uh, with different sets of ideas on what good housing looks like or what mm-hmm. their neighborhood wants to look like. So we've got to find a way to bridge that gap and get them on board. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ideas is, uh, something called, a. am going to get this wrong. It's called a CID. It's a community improvement district. Hmm. Which is, it functions similarly. It's kind of like a reverse reverse engineering an HOA. Hmm. So let's say you draw that circle, you know, draw that circle in that area you want, mm-hmm. right? And you get everybody, you know, some percentage of the homeowners have to vote it in. They're basically voting themselves a tax increase. Oh, okay. Think of HOA dues. Yeah. Okay. The benefit to them is all of that increment, all that increment goes back into their neighborhood. Mm. So they basically say- It's a say, DDDA, but it's for- that's right. A different area. That's right. Yeah. And how do we do that authority. and bridge the, the the language barrier and the cultural, yeah. you know, difference there? So that's uh, one of the ideas that's been floated around. I think the city is completely 110% on board with doing whatever they need to do. Mm-hmm. Fixing sidewalks, having cleanup days and uh, code enforcement, mm-hmm. um, streetscape. You know, they're putting money in this, in the trail, the Greenway Trail. I don't know. Well, we need to come up with a good name for that thing. <laughs> um so we got, you know, got a lot of people that are kind of really want to see this happen. And there's a, a, a lot of guys like you that are willing to go in there and take risk and, and buy a home and flip it. Um, there's there's guys like you, <clears throat> including you, that are willing to maybe do so for a little less profit if it makes the community better. Yeah. You know, so there's a there's a philanthropic element of this that um, I think we can tap into, mm-hmm. but we got to light the fire. We got to have a we got to have a project in there. we got to have something mm-hmm. to really kind of It makes it really hard for me to flip a house on Factory Street when the other seven houses on Factory Street have codes being broken and windows broken and washers sitting on the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't flip this house and, and even get close to making a profit if there's 17 code enforcement violations on the street, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that does make it tough if it if it could be in conjunction, you know, if we could do. But there's going to be some collateral damage here, right? Like, if you yes. if you think having a Bowflex on your front yard is is okay <laughs> this is not your town you know go <laughs> go somewhere else go to Cahutta. no <laughs> <laughs> we love Cahutta. we're, we're we kidding we we kid because i haven't we been love. up to the the red wolf is it red wolf yeah that's there? right here it's great oh yeah there it's yeah. great oh yeah i was going to go by but it was so packed i was like yeah maybe yeah. maybe another time so they're doing pretty well apparently yeah looks yeah. like it hey, they got a general store across the street yeah that little area of town really makes me feel like i'm in a movie it feels Mayberry-ish yeah. for sure. Yeah, I like it though. I'll bet you there'll be a movie film there before it's all said. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody will find that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Movie. Bill, what you got, got a? Did I cut you off? What's up? I said, "What else you got, Corey?" <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say, Bill, what else you got? Because you came in stacked and prepared, but I haven't seen you reference it much. So we uh, we leaving something else out that you think is important? No, I. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a weird. It's a. It's an interesting time. You know, from the from the economy standpoint, uh, you know, we it's just been pretty good. Let's be honest here. If you can't appreciate how good it's been the last couple of years, I, I got I got bad news for you. It's, <laughs> there's not much there's not much room to go up. But uh, you know, I think we all have to be cognizant that we're in a volatile inflation is a headwind mm-hmm. both to our employers, our employees. Uh, our community, um, obviously what's happened in Ukraine doesn't help things at all. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but, but our economy has shown some pretty significant resilience 
right? Mm-hmm. You think about COVID. I mean, we were all shut down. The sky was falling. And three months later, it was the best <laughs> six months the carpet industry may have ever had kind of thing. Oh, so it, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm, I'm optimistic that we the, the economy will see that. But there's clearly going to be some some choppy waters ahead. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some headwinds for us as a community. But Are you telling me I can't expect another 20% increase year over year in sale prices? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Probably not, but I don't know. They printed inflation yesterday and 5.4%. So, you know. Housing in Dalton in Q1 was up 18.6% year over year. This sell is price. the place to take a risk, you know, come to Dalton, take if a risk. If you totally messed it up, you still had that 18% buffer. <laughs> well, I think the question, a lot of people are looking at like, okay, you know, they, a lot of my clients are like, should I build a building? Mm-hmm. I need a building bad, mm-hmm. right? I need building. And they look at the cost and they have sticker shock, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question is, is this a blip or something temporary mm-hmm. and $60 a foot for, you know, industrial? Is that, is it going to come back down and normalize over the next in 12 or 18 months? Or are they going to look back 18 months from now and say, man, I wish I built it at 60. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's going to be 85. <laughs> so, uh, I'll tell you this, when it comes to industrial, I looked at the Dalton MLS last week, late last week, Thursday last week, and there were two industrial listings in the entire MLS, two. One of them was the chicken plant downtown, (laughs) and one was Corey's listing over in Chatsworth, 62,000 square foot building over there, and we've got, I don't know, three or four showings on it this week, so like there there may be one next week that's available. So. It's amazing to me how fast the industrial landscape changed from January of 2020 to April of 2022. We went from all these vacant buildings. People in our town got used to thinking we just had all these vacant buildings around. And so I've had a couple of people reach out recently and say, hey, I need a place for my um, cheerleaders. I need a place for my baseball team to practice indoors and and." Tell me about one of those empty commercial buildings. I'm like, uh, yeah, but let me take Which you one? back at 2018. I can help you, but not, there are none today. Yeah, People just don't realize how fast that landscape changed. It was almost overnight. Yeah. So, yeah. Has the number of housing units improved at, at all? I no, mean, it's less. 129 active listings in the Dalton MLS, and we need 400 to be a, considered a stable well, like market. Like you've said before, 129, and there's like six good ones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the median days on market is 11. So, you know, of those 129, 100 well, I mean, of them we're, are you know, we're not market. alone, right? That's yeah. a, I think that's a phenomenon that's happening in a lot of places in a lot of it smaller is. communities. Where we're different is we got some capital in this town. No, we do. Right? Mm-hmm. We got some risk takers in this town. We got some visionaries in this town. And so, how do we connect the dots? And and I think part of what we've done with FCDC um, is just try to build awareness to how bad the problem is. Mm-hmm. And you've done a great job of that and, and, and been a big, big part of that. But, um, you know, I, I'm fearful that our industry is going to be real hamstrung in a year, mm-hmm. two years or five years when they have jobs. They have people that would come take those jobs and then they have nowhere for those people to live. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a it'll be a governor on our industry, and we don't need to let that happen, you know. Um, so we've got to start addressing yeah. it, and and we, you know, quite frankly, we're going to work in partnership with many of those big large employers. Mm-hmm. And the one of the biggest success stories we've had uh, of late is, you know, Hamilton mm-hmm. healthcare system has gotten in the housing game. Mm-hmm. They saw a need they had. They're bringing in interns and doctors, and they have the autism center, the cancer center. They've really been a big had a big seat at the table uh, mm-hmm. in this housing effort and they've gone out and bought land and mm-hmm. sold it to a developer for apartments and they bought an entire street and redeveloped all, you know, all those multifamily. So mm-hmm. that's a model. If, you know, we can either do it, we can either do it that, you know, the way we've without their, you know, help and, you know, but I think they're all going to have to engage. All the employers are going to have to engage in the process if it's going to make sense. And, uh, I think they're, everybody's now real aware of how big the problem is mm-hmm. and, uh, challenges is we're, you know, we're two years behind. We, you know, we need to, we, I would like to see, you know, five Patterson's going right now. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely. Yeah. We could withstand it for sure. Uh, Bill, one last thing I want to ask you, uh, I like to ask folks this to see what kind of answers we get. 
you know, you ask the general public, what does Dalton need in terms of business? You always hear Olive Garden. Then you, then you hear a joke about Dollar General like you just made. So <laughs> just just in your opinion, you can answer it however you want. But what, what would you like to see coming, like as far as new businesses, what commercial? I like to see. Well, I'm... I'm in the Olive Garden camp. I'm one of those people that really likes I don't hate it. Like, no, yeah. uh, people make I, fun I know, of it. But... Salad and breadsticks, man. It's pretty solid. I, like, yeah, I just like spaghetti. We don't, I, it's hard to find a good plate of spaghetti in this town. It, it is. Flaminis was the last good plate I had. <laughs> so what would I like to see? Is it just retail or is it how, how, whatever like you... an amusement park? Or, you know, anything. Anything applies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I would like to see, and and I think there's some efforts on this front that are that are working, but I'd like to see more locally owned restaurants. Mm-hmm. More Syrahs, you know, mm-hmm. more Baja Coops, more Oakwoods. Yeah. Um, and you talk about a dangerous game, mm-hmm. right? I will say, and I'll put a plug out there for uh, uh, the DIA, which is the Dalton Innovation Accelerator, which y'all mm-hmm. need to get her in here too, by the way. Lauren. Oh, yeah. They're working on trying to figure out how to do a uh, incubator concept mm-hmm. for restaurant owners, right? Because like 85% of them fail. Yeah. And everybody thinks their stuff tastes good, right? <laughs> so they, what happens is they go out and they spend a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm in business. Mm-hmm. I'm in a restaurant. I think my stuff tastes good. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's all right. <laughs> so the incubator concept, there's really a good one in uh, Chattanooga called Proof Bar mm-hmm. that um, they rotate in chefs and they'll mm-hmm. rotate the menu and let these people try out their stuff. Oh, yeah. oh man, it's I good. love this idea. Keep going. This is yeah, fantastic. We just need a couple more hundred thousand dollars. All these problems are fixed <laughs> with money, by the way. So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think there's some effort there. I think that's could be really, really a game changer. And um, um, I hope to see more, more, more restaurants, more locally owned restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings would be all right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. My son would. I might be able to get my son to move back to <laughs> to uh, Dalton if we had a Buffalo Wild Wings. But uh, where is he now? Georgia. University okay. of Georgia. Yeah, that's yeah. hard for a Georgia Tech man to say. <laughs> yeah, I might have set that. him up for that. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's uh, we're he's happy, I'm happy, and I've always loved Athens, the town. I'm yeah. just not a fan of the Bulldogs. Oh, I was hoping I was going to get a go dogs out of yeah. Bill just. Now. I said it one time when he got his acceptance. Oh, I, I gave it one time because <laughs> it was uh, it was good for the Davies family, but uh, yeah, maybe one more at graduation. And you're welcome because now that he went there and the Davies finally went to Georgia, y'all won a national. He championship. brought the national championship exactly. with him. So it's there a completely 100 percent our <laughs> our dude. What number yeah. did was he when? Uh, Oh, okay. It's just more of a, <laughs> more of a spiritual Behind the support. scenes. Yeah, yeah. it's more of just the spiritual karma. Support. It was the karma that he brought to camp. <laughs> that is funny. He, he wore the same number I did. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Where do people find out more about you if they want to reach out to you about the FCDC or Truist? Or how do you want people to find what you've talked about today? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way to uh, – I guess I'm out there in the social media world. I'm not very active, but um, I'm on Facebook and uh, Instagram. And mm-hmm. I'm even on Snapchat now because I can't Ooh. I can't talk to my son unless I'm – he won't respond <laughs> to text. I have to be on Snapchat. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, my uh, – call me at work. Yeah, 706-217-3715. There we go. And, uh, and I'll answer or I'll, I'll get back to you and love to hear from anybody and everybody. Right. Well, also, so if you got a couple hundred thousand bucks laying around that you want to invest in our community, there's that number. Call give them him up. a shout. That's it. I'd give my cell number out for that one. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you might even buy lunch at the Oakwood for that exactly, one. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Bill, we, we appreciate you coming in. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. See you.